Welcome to this episode of Green Squad Chats. Today we talk all things hiring and leadership. We're glad you're tuning in today. This would be a great episode if you've ever been challenged with hiring in your small business. Be sure to stay until the end where we talk different strategies for compensation. Everybody on this call runs a business and also has extensive experience in the military, probably a combined hundred years of experience in this group, if not more. So with that said, I'm going to open it up to the room to talk with the question of how has your leadership experience in the military translated to hiring and leading a team in business? And I'll start with you, Brandon. Thanks, Adam. I think for me, it is my love of the team aspect of it and the ability to develop those people that are working with me. Um, and for example, right in, in my life insurance business, I was just me and I made my first hire a virtual assistant last year. And for me, one of the number one requirements was that my virtual assistant had a desire to learn, wanted to grow, was interested in lifelong learning and how could I help that person kind of realize their goals, realize their dreams? Like that was first and foremost for me. It wasn't a, a certain technical set of skills, uh, nothing like that. And, and I think that it's because, right, that's what I'm used to. I'm being placed in settings in the military where honestly, the higher up you go, your job is to develop your teammates around you and to prepare them kind of to get better, to grow and prepare them for the next level. And, uh, and that's what I enjoy doing. And so that's how I translated it to my business. And your moniker for that is? Raise yourself, raise your team. Yeah. I, real quick, you, you did this, Adam. Uh, but, but that to me is starting with yourself, focusing on your growth, your personal development is the number one way to make everyone else around you better to make your teammates better. Because if you don't have the capacity, if you don't take the time to develop yourself, you're not going to be able to help the other people around you grow. And so raise yourself, raise your team. I mean, I think one of the things, and we've probably seen it in business, in the mil certainly in the military, we've seen it. We've all been in units in organizations where our leaders have not invested in us. We've been cogs. We've been tools at, at someone's disposal. And I'm sure that you could all think of an example of a unit you've been in where your leader invested in you and was concerned and interested in your development as a person, not just necessarily as a tool that they could sharpen and then use. And I have found that, that in those units, I'm typically surrounded by some of the highest performing people I've ever had the, the opportunity to work with. And those units wind up achieving great success collectively. I don't know that we inculcate that in the military. I'll certainly take it forward into to any business venture uh, that I find myself in. If you invest in your people on a personal level, professionally, of course, uh, and personally as well, uh, I really think that uh, you're limitless in what you can achieve. James, I'd be interested to to hear your thoughts on your journey of hiring and, and kind of what you learned over the past six months. You know, how did you even go about hiring? And then what lessons did you learn in, in leadership and setting expectations and um, all of those kind of things? Yeah, I have a lot to share, some of which is painful uh, in, a, in a humorous way. But uh, 
I I have a lot of thoughts on this. So I actually view my my leadership experience in the military quite different than I view in the business. And here's the reason why. I so so with my career in the military, uh, when I have people come into my platoon, I know that they are at a certain level of skill. And in business, I look for culture and I look for a certain personality that's going to be um, a good fit for what I'm looking for. Like, like the mindset of a person, I can't really teach that. So I look for somebody with a good mindset and I try to teach them the skills. That's how it differs because in the military, they already are at a certain level of skills. So I think I would get that out up front that I, while the leadership and the, the management aspect of tasks is... Um, is different in that regard. There's also a lot of similarities uh, with how you lead the team with you know you as an individual. So how I started my first hire is I didn't screen at all. I was like, I need some extra help in my business. Let me just find somebody who's kind of a friend who, who is looking for extra work. Terrible idea. Terrible idea in every way. Didn't evaluate if they were the right cultural fit. Didn't even like, I remember I, this kind of smacked me in the face. I was like, can we get this document printed out. And she said, I don't have a printer. I'm like, that would have been a good thing for me to ask like before we started. So um, <laughs> that's a good example. Great person, right? I don't really have anything bad to say about anybody who's worked for me before, but it didn't really work. She had another full-time job. She worked for me for about f- about four months part-time. And then we started to grow so quickly with the amount of tasks I was doing and her heart wasn't in it. She just wasn't really passionate about it. She couldn't keep up with the workload. And so I started uh, deliberately looking to hire somebody as a full-time hire. Went through two different people um, through like a screening process. I was doing that myself through like an Indeed type hiring. Had a really bad strategy for it. Learned a lot of lessons along the way. Where I was, where I learned uh, where I was, I was really short was I didn't have realistic expectations for what the job was. I'll give you an example. I was like, these tasks take me 20 hours a week. Okay. Well, they're not going to take somebody else 20 hours a week. They're going to take somebody else 30 or 40 hours a week. That's a full-time job. So I can't be marketing this as a part-time job if somebody's going to have to give full-time effort for this. So, uh, learned that went through, like I said, two different people, each was less than a week. They're like, this is just too much. This is not realistic for what was described. Learned along the way. After that, I basically used a talent acquisition company. Um, we found somebody and it went really poorly. Um, had a family hardship, extreme family hardship the very first day that we worked together. She was just unable to recover after I gave her about a month to sort through some things. That was unfortunate, but um, just life sometimes. Then just through a stroke of luck, I found who is my current operations manager. And that was probably the best job I did at screening because I looked at what kind of uh, mindset and personality, what kind of culture she subscribed to before bringing her on. And that was that proved to be worthwhile. Yeah. And I'll just do a quick recap because there's a lot of gold there. I think this is common for many people where you, you're running your business and maybe you're a one person show. And you start to get overcome by events because you have so much stuff going on and it's compounding and you hit capacity and you want to bring somebody on. You're bringing somebody on out of a, out of a position of weakness because you need it so badly that you're like, okay, this person wants to help me. I'll just take that. And then you realize like, oh, that, that's not as easy 
that didn't, that's not the right person. They don't have the right skills or the right mindset. And I didn't do enough to prepare that person to succeed. So then you go into, okay, how do I do this correctly? What, what's a better system? So you, you make a job ad, you go to Indeed, you start to look for talent, you develop uh, questions for hiring, screening questions. For us, we subscribe to the, if you read the book, Who, uh, there's a book Who gives you some kind of screening questions and follow on questions. I think James used something similar to that. And then you went as far as to going, okay, this is painful. It's not as easy as I feel like it should be. So now I'm going to go hire a talent acquisitions person to help me find somebody because they obviously know what they're doing. They bring you talent. It doesn't work out. Could, you know, that could happen even if they did a good job. And then ultimately you combined all of those things and you added like a personality screening component to it where you saw what kind of personality they had. You really looked at the growth mindset that you were looking for and you combined all of those things and you iterated that over a half a year to get to where you are today, which I think is incredible. And I think that's, you know, hiring, hiring is more than just putting an ad out and bringing somebody in. It goes back to what Brandon said with culture what your goals are, are your goals aligned with this person? Can you help this person grow themselves? Because there has to be mutual alignment and are they the right fit for your team for that particular position? So that's, I mean, that to me, that is like absolute gold and and that's more reality of hiring. It's not just picking your cousin who needs a job and they can do mundane tasks. It, it oftentimes doesn't work well that way. Marty, you had something? No, you already asked it, so we're good. I have something really quick to add. Some some other real estate investors here, they asked me for mentorship as they're in my position where I was maybe two years ago. And what I tell them is if you're trying to grow a team, by the time you realize that you need somebody, you already should have started the process. Uh, you're already short because you've grown to, you, you've outcapacitated yourself and you need somebody yesterday. That's why when people ask me about it, I always recommend the VA route because- you, you, it's a lower cost of entry and it's a lower, you know, almost uh, responsibility of keeping them on long term because you can hire somebody before you need to because it's cheaper. And then you can kind of figure out how that looks like as you have somebody. And then you can find out, well, that person didn't meet my needs or I screwed up and hired the wrong person here. And then you can kind of figure all that out at a lower uh, cost of in, uh, entry and you can get to where you need to go faster by hiring quicker. Uh, with VAs, I think. Marty, when you say a VA, that's virtual assistant. Can you talk about, because Brennan also said VA, where are these people at? How do you hire them? Who who are these people? I know Brandon used a different model for a VA. I think it's just generic enough that people want to know, like, what do you mean by hire a VA? What is a VA? Where do you- So I think Brandon and I found our VAs uh, differently. So that's a virtual assistant, someone that can, um, you know, work with you and, and in your business that doesn't necessarily live with you. You know, it could live somebody, somebody in the United States. It could be somebody overseas. There's all kinds of different, um, you know, businesses that'll help you find somebody. Uh, what I personally did was I just went to the website for the Philippines and I just posted a job there and, and just started screening uh, people myself and just hired that way. Uh, Brandon, I think you used a uh, local company there, didn't you? I used a, a company that was a United States, all the, all the VAs were in the U S just based on the nature of my business. Um, and then I also used a company that focused on hiring military spouses, just something, something else near and dear kind of to what I wanted. So a little bit different route there. 
Um, I do have a I do have a comment on what James said about if you if you wait till you think you need someone you waited too long. My business is a perfect example of that. I have a vision for how I want it to grow and how I want it to look down the road, and I know that in order to get there, I can't do all that myself. Even though right now I might not need a virtual assistant to help me because the task load is manageable, et cetera. But it doesn't matter. I have a vision where I want to be. And so I'm kind of building that team now to get the business to where I want it to be and to start learning how to focus on the things and the areas of strength, focus on the areas I should be focusing on to move the business forward and learning how to kind of um, delegate the rest of those functions away, which I think is a, a very important skill for someone to learn who wants to actually build a business rather than just creating another job for themselves. The point of hiring is adding leverage to your business so that you can hit those growth milestones that you want to hit to achieve the vision, which I think is um, is really fantastic. So a lot of young small businesses, one to two people deep, often hire virtual assistants to Marty's points. You can hire overseas, offshore labor. It's a whole gig economy where you know, they'll apply to work with folks in the United States and they're much cheaper. You're talking four to eight dollars an hour. Or you can hire a virtual assistant in the United States from uh, what was the website you said, Brandon? Uh, Freedom Makers. Yeah, Freedom Makers, free advertising. They're they're welcome for that. And then there's the other another one is hiremymom.com, I think. Um, there's people, there's talent, there's talent around the United States that maybe isn't working because they were a stay-at-home mom for 10 years and now they're ready to get back in the workforce or various other reasons. So there's a lot of places you can hire at a low cost. I want to cap this one with that. That is a limiting belief I often see when I coach businesses on hiring is how can I afford that? If I need to hire an operations manager, director, COO, and they're going to cost me 50, 60, 70, $150,000 a year, like Maybe I don't have $150,000 in my business right now. I think the, the reality is, is that's, that's paid over time. So there's a monthly cost. Some of my mentors have told me like a hire should be bringing in an additional $250,000 in your business. Now, obviously that's a generic rule of thumb, but when you bring that person in, it allows you to grow and do more. And the cost isn't that full 150 on day one or that full 50,000 on day one. That's obviously spread over a 12 month period. And then if you go the virtual assistant route, that's, that's cheaper. I want to, I want to shift gears with the team here and just, and add, ask one more question on the second half of this episode. And we get to hiring, we iterate hiring, we put a process in place, we find the people, and then we get the people into our, our company and bring them into our world. What are you guys doing to set them up for success working with you? I, I think you got to start with clear expectations. Uh, what is the expectation for this person on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis? What does their work output look like? What are the processes that they are required to use? And I think all of that must be conveyed in a very clear format or method. Uh, there's all kinds of techniques out there. People use Loom videos to, to instruct. People use checklists. So I think a lot of methods to get there. At the end of the day, though, it's got to be conveyed clearly so that the, that new hire knows how to assimilate into my business. Yeah, something that when I, back to when I hired my VA, I made it pretty clear that, hey, 
I want you to help me see the blind spots to help me make my processes better. And so, yes, I use technology out there. I use Loom. It's a great, great screen sharing technology. And I laid out kind of what I was already doing. And that way the VA had a video she could watch and she could take over the things I was doing. But I made it clear that, hey, this is just how I do it now. This is over to you to tell me you, we could do this better. We could tweak things. And that, and I did that because I wanted her to know, Hey, this is where we're going. You're part of this growth. I don't think that I know everything and that I'm doing everything right. So you over to you, Hey, start here, but you're free to kind of make this better as you see fit. And that goes back to um, make sure that you're hiring you know, the right person for that specific thing. So you got to think about what your tasks you want them to do. And so, you know, finding somebody that's good at the tasks that you need them to do, right? I needed somebody that was better at organization than me. I needed somebody that, um, you know, could write a checklist that could follow it, you know, down to the T, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy. And so I made sure that everybody that I interviewed, I talked to them about that and made sure that I found somebody that can, do tasks and, and was way better at organization and the uh, the pitfalls that I had, I, I wanted somebody that would that that was their strength, and so I made sure to hire that person. You hired out your weakness, which was details and or organization. And what did you do for that person? So that person shows up on day one. How do you like, do they have skills already with all the systems you're using? Do you give them any training? How do they know what to do? So they show up to work on day one. Is it, do they go through five days of training first and then they start working? How, how did that happen? So uh, what we started to do was I would give her a workload, I guess. And I would say, Hey, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I have. Here's what it needs to be. And, and that's, that's all that, that I would, that I would tell her. And I would say, I don't care how you get from A to B, but I need you to figure out how to get to A to B. And I'm here to answer any questions you have, but I'm struggling with this and I can't figure it out. So your strengths are to be able to figure this out. And so here it is. And so I would hand her that workload. And then once we found that system and it was running good for both of us, then I would say, okay, here's your next workload. And I would, we would just work. Uh, workload separately. It wasn't a, a, a five day training period or whatever. It was a, you know, here's day one, 30 minutes of this is what it is and this is where it needs to be and go after it. And so that she would start tackling it. You know, we would work back and forth any questions that she had. And then however long it took her, she would get that. And then we'd move on to the next one and the next one. Marty, let me kind of tease out something you just said. So in this case, you're talking about hiring out a weakness, which phenomenal. I, I love it. Uh, but you said you'd give this person, this hire, uh, the end state, and you didn't tell them how to get there. I think in some cases, when we hire out things that aren't necessarily our weaknesses, maybe we, we're bringing somebody in to, to ease our workload, things that maybe we are good at. I think the temptation, and I, I see it in myself all the time, my temptation is to tell the hire the method that they, they must use because it's my method. It feels comfortable to me. And I have to fight that urge to give my employee the method and rather focus on the end state. So I think it's phenomenal that you do that. I just wanted to tease that out and, and, and talk about the fact that it's hard to, to focus on the end state. Tom, that's a, that's a, that's a great, um, that's one of the things that I think most of us believe correlate really well from military to business. Can you talk about, you know, for us in the military, we all obviously know that that's like commander's intent, purpose, method, end state type 
conversation. Can you tease that out a little bit more and talk about what we do in the military and how we do it and then how we can translate it? To yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you said the word commander's intent. I think what you owe your team, your employees, whatever, your company, your organization, however you want to frame the group, first and foremost is the end state. I think you owe some priorities for when there are conflicting action items for someone in your unit to do. And I think the priorities both become an end state and a lens through which to evaluate what someone should do with their time or how someone in your organization at a lower echelon further down the, the food chain, how they can make a decision. And in some cases, method matters, right? We can, you know, in, in military operations and in business, sometimes the method is critically important. And when it is, you as the commander, as the CEO, as the COO, you, you've got to give your people the method. But when it doesn't matter, there's a couple good things that happen. One, we empower our people to use their own method. Maybe it's something they're comfortable with. Too, they may have a better method than you. We're not always the smartest or the best. Uh, sometimes, you know, products, PowerPoints, Excel. Maybe I don't care whether every other line is gray on my Excel. Maybe I do. But if it doesn't matter, I should probably keep that information to myself and tell, the, tell my team that I need a product that shows me what our earnings look like for the last six months and that I can break it down by, by week uh, or whatever, whatever that end state is. So yeah, you know, purpose, method, end state. Purpose, sometimes, you know, we can correlate to priorities. Method, like I said, sometimes matters, sometimes doesn't. But end state, you as the boss have to define the end state. That's the one thing you can never just leave to uh, other people's devices. Yeah, thanks for that, Tom. I, I think I think that's one of the things that um, we do well. We often, I mean, we're taught to give the why, why we're doing something and give the end state, the, the what, what it needs to look like at the end of the day what success looks like. And then all the middle part, oftentimes you have really innovative and smart people. You don't need to tell them exactly how to do something unless there's, you know, safety or there's a reason that we need to pick a specific method. But oftentimes um, letting them choose the method oftentimes will give them buy-in, which creates alignment in an organization, which I think is phenomenal. Um, if you can do that effectively. Yeah, absolutely. I'm buying. Hey, do you want to talk compensation at all? Yeah, that's a great point. So one of the things, I'll give a silly example here. Um, one of the things I think new employers struggle with is how to properly compensate the people working for them. And I'm not talking about the VA that we hired out from an overseas location. I'm talking about your your assistant that you're going to work with, your operations, your head of ops, your um, I'll give a I'll give a silly example, and it's childcare. So we had uh, you know young kids born a couple years ago, and the traditional model is you pay in home childcare hourly, and they only get paid for the hours they're there. Well, we said as we looked at the industry, we said, wow, childcare, in home childcare, the providers are changing weekly, monthly. You know, at the most they're sticking around a year. Or to. And that sounded like instability and I don't do well with instability. And so so my wife and I said, how can we how can we change this? And we said, well, through compensation. And so no kidding, we hired a, a, a nanny, right? In home childcare. And we proposed a salary model. And she said, that's not normal. So her spidey sense went up. She had alarm bells going off. She said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think I like this. So you're just going to pay me? Yep. We're just going to pay you. Sometimes we won't ask you to come in for a day and I'll still get paid. Yes, you'll still get paid. Why would you do that? Well, because I want to know that you're going to show up the next day and the next day, and the next day. So it was achieving that same buy-in, Adam, that you were talking about, but through the through the lens of compensation, because this person had had her own bills to pay. If she didn't have stability in her income, she was going to continue to keep one eye on the job postings to, to make sure that she was getting the best deal out there. And so that absolutely applies to any business, I think. 
getting buy-in, making people feel like they want to be on the team, that they're a necessary part of the team. Compensation is a big part of that. And, and so while my example doesn't necessarily translate universally, uh, I think it is something important in any business to really think about how you're compensating your team and, and to, to attract and maintain the best talent. Compensation has got to be a big part of the equation. I agree with that. But Tom, you know, I, I even did that with the, with my VA, right? You know, I, I advertised the job at, I don't know, $5 an hour or whatever it was. And then, you know, it took me a couple different ones. But once I found the right one, then it was like, well, I don't want her to leave. You know, I don't want her to find somebody else that'll pay five fifty an hour. And so, you know, I did the, I did the same thing. I had to compensate for, um, what she was providing to the team. And, um, you know, so while I agree with you, I think it still works no matter VA or childcare. I think it goes across the board. You gotta, you gotta pay enough to acquire the right talent. And then you gotta keep, keep that talent there. You know, when I hired my first one, I thought I'll get somebody local because they can help run errands and that sort of stuff. And I posted it for $15 an hour. I thought that was a little above minimum wage. And so I, you know, that's what I thought I needed. And I got zero applicants. And so then I did it for $20 an hour and I got zero applicants. And so then that's what kind of forced my hand almost to go to the VA route. But, um, you know, once I did and it took me a little while to find the right person, once I did, then, then I had to compensate to, to make sure that she didn't go anywhere. Wow. That's incredible. Eight years. Yeah. I mean, that's a consideration of like, it, it actually costs you more money to turn over positions in a business than it does to keep somebody and maybe pay them a little bit more. And there's tons of, um, there's tons of data to back that. And, you know, for us, we have like 10 people on our team right now. I've got some salary employees and I've got some commission employees, some commission only employees, like, and, and it relates to the type of person, the type of job that we're bringing onto the team. So if they're a salesperson, they typically have a personality that wants unlimited upside. They want to be on commission. They're hungry in that kind of way. They want to be able to control how much money they can make based on their effort. So you might hire a salesperson on a commission scale with maybe a small base or maybe not. And I've got detail-oriented people in my company who you know are the glue. They keep the process together. But that tip, that personality typically favors stability. They like the salary. They they would prefer the salary over higher upside commissions. And I've got um, I've got W two salary employees who also get a percentage of um, net right. So they get a small bonus based on how well the company does. I, I shouldn't say a small bonus, but they get a bonus based on how well the company does. And that, that keeps everybody in alignment, not just with uh, the company and the company's goals, but also with their personalities and their desires as a human. Some of them want stability and certainty, and some of them want high upside and they're willing to have the instability. It doesn't bother them. I'm a big fan of the bonus model. So I like there to be a base, whether that's a salary base or an hourly base. And then the way I think of it is when the company is successful, I want there to be a benefit to the employee. That's a bonus. So I have a, I have actually a whole list of bonusable activity and I give them, I give them that list before they even come on. These are how you can earn bonuses. And I tell them, I'm like, if I were you, I would just look at the best bonuses and tar- try to target. There's a reason I make those the highest profitable thing because they're also the best for the company. Um, and then they can choose if they want to spend more time on a particularly uh, advantageous activity to get the best bonus. Yeah. What's, what's interesting about that is, 
I have, I could bone, I have some employees I could put the most attractive bonus structure in place for, but they are so detail oriented. They're not, they don't necessarily have the same drive as, um, they're not, maybe, maybe they're not money driven. I have people who are not money driven per se. Like obviously they want to make money. They're not money driven, but they, they're so detail oriented. They're going to operate in sequential order of the task, almost no matter what good, bad, or indifferent. But that's why you have those people because that's what they're good at. And maybe, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm, I can do details, but that's not my strength. Um, and we've got a bunch of salespeople who are mostly degenerates when it comes to details. So uh, to have the balance is important, but some people I could incentivize in our company through the moon and they would still never like move the needle on those high end bonuses for us. And some people obviously would, that's, they would attack those um, with enthusiasm. I think we've covered that, you know, in a really wide general sense from the process of hiring is kind of James outlined hiring the person close to you, then coming up with a system, then taking that system and the, the interview process to understanding that person's personality, culture, and drive. And then Brandon added and, and Tom added setting proper expectations and having a plan for them when they come into your company to bring them on board into the culture and also make sure that they have the tools and um, the scorecard for what they're going to be responsible for in a business. This is one thing that's vastly different from the military is um, we have key performance indicators and each person is responsible for moving the needle in a business in some way. And then obviously parlaying that into um, compensation and leadership and setting expectations and continuing to help that person grow within your company. So all gold, all great points, and and I'm appreciative of everybody sharing today. So I think I think we'll we'll cap it there, and and that's it from Green Squad Chats. Thank you.